Anytime you choose, you will choose a criminal, you will choose murderers, you will choose people who are unworthy, you will choose antichrists. Oh my gosh. I never, it never occurred to me to think of this story in that way, but you're, it is absolutely the truth. It's clear that gives today. me shivers. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. How are you, Tiffany? I'm good. Alhamdulillah, how are you? Alhamdulillah. Thank you for joining me here today. Thank you so much for having me here. In the previous episodes, we talked about the Antichrist uh, in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. We talked about the signs of the Antichrist, what the prophets and messengers um, described them as or as doing, or what are the signs by which we could recognize the Antichrist. And we reached this conclusion in the end, that the United States of America is is matching what these religions had talked about or said that the Antichrist would be. Yeah. Um, we talked about how the United States is the modern Rome. Yes. Uh, we talked about how in Judaism, uh, the name of the Antichrist was Armulus, and they understood this to be a, um, a reference to Rome. Yes. Right? Yes. Romulus. Romulus. And we talked about how the Antichrist uh, has one eye. And we talked about how the system of the Antichrist, it, it had to be a system of disbelief. Yeah. And the system of the Antichrist itself had to be set up in such a way that it opposed Christ. Yeah. Uh, so now I just wanted to examine with you because, because we have to really think about uh, what it is that we're saying, and see if it makes sense. Yeah. Um, we have to know what is the purpose that that Jesus Christ is sent, and see if the system, the government, the democracy in which America believes in is opposed inherently to Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay? So I guess the first question that we would ask is, why is Jesus sent? What is his function? And we know that Jesus has given some titles in the Bible. Mm -hmm. and one of them is a Messiah, mm -hmm. right? Another one is Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, and they both mean someone who's anointed. Yes. What does that mean, somebody who's anointed? What is their job? What is their function? What is their duty in Christianity? What were you raised as believing? What is the, the job that Jesus is sent as? Um, well, the anointed one is a title, or, or it's, it's actually like a, like a ceremony that appears in the Old Testament, where uh, when kingship or leadership, successorship is passed down from one prophet to another, uh, they're anointed with oil, and we see it happening uh, in several passages in the Old Testament. So uh, some of the ones who, who were anointed are, uh, for example, when David passed on the rulership to his son Solomon, he was anointed. So what it actually means is that uh, the anointed one will be the next ruler, the one who will rule over the, the nation of believers. That's exactly right, because the prime examples in the Bible of people that were anointed were specifically kings, mm -hmm. okay? So we find in the Bible Samuel, who is the prophet, he anoints who? Saul. Saul, yeah. 
And we see that David also, when he becomes king, he has to be anointed. Mm -hmm. And we see Solomon also is anointed. Mm -hmm. So anointed one, and whenever there was a reference to an anointed one, it was definitely referring to the monarchs of the state of Israel. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. So now, without a shadow of a doubt, we understand that Messiah or anointed one is referring to a king mm -hmm. or a ruler um, over the people. Yeah. So then that makes the job of Jesus Christ uh, to be that of a ruler. Yes. Right? Yes. And the ruler, whether in the case of Jesus, whether in the case of Saul, whether in the case of David, whether in, case, in the case of Solomon, or they were always appointed by God. Yes. None of them were elected. None, none of them uh, came to power by means of a coup d'etat no. or anything like that. Uh, in the Bible, in the in the in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, it is God who appoints the ruler. He has to because it's Him who who chooses the most righteous out of the people and the one who's going to um, lead his flock to safety and salvation. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, of course. I mean, even um, in the case of Saul, which you mentioned, it was the, the people didn't say, let's choose a king ourselves. They went to, to Samuel and said, have God choose for us a king. Exactly. And that is also a prime example in the Bible of a time where human beings, let's examine this, this story. So in the time of Saul, Basically, Samuel, he was the prophet, mm -hmm. and he was also like the de facto ruler mm -hmm. over them. Everybody had to listen to Samuel. He was the, the ruler, he was the prophet, he was the de facto um, authority figure at the time. Yes. All right? And he was enforced by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He has some sons. It's his intention that these sons are going to succeed him. And it seems like they are the ones whom he's kind of preparing for that role. It's unclear if God has chosen them or not yet. It mm -hmm. seems like he's going to be choosing them and, and Samuel's preparing them for that. But the Bible says that they were unrighteous. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Israelites didn't want these sons to be chosen. So in order to avoid their appointment or to change destiny, the Israelites, they go back to Samuel, who was a prophet, and they say, hey, all the other nations have a king, you know? So just like you're a ruler, we want, to, we want God to appoint for us a ruler, but we want for him to appoint for us a king. And this begins the whole uh, monarchy mm -hmm. system in Israel. Yes. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Um, so they don't elect their own king. Yeah. They don't interfere in that, but still they interfere with the political system that God had set up because God was ruling them through prophets, you know, or through judges, but not ruling them yet through kings. Yes. Uh, but they wanted a king who, who came with his own uh, sets of authority. Okay. Uh, what does God say then? He tells Samuel um, that uh, because of the people's request, they are rejecting him, and they're rejecting his rulership, not Samuel's, but God's himself. And God is very offended, and he's very angry at the Israelites for, for even thinking that they know better than God. Mm -hmm. And God ends up 
sending them a warning with Samuel. He tells Samuel to go there and warn them, basically, that they're, you know, what they're asking for is not going to be in their best interest because they're the ones that are uh, choosing. But nonetheless, he will give them what it is that they want. And so God chooses for them a king. And uh, so in that story, in that story, we get a grave warning and, and, and the message of that story of the appointment of Saul seems to be that God does not like when people interfere in his system of governance. Yeah. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. You're right. And that when people choose things or, or try to push for things or, or push for certain laws, that it doesn't turn out in their favor. Yes. Um, and that's very anti-democratic. That's the opposite of democracy, whereby in democracy, um, we don't consult God at all in anything. The very system of democracy itself is set up in such a way that um, the power is always with the people. Yeah. Um, and anybody who tries to ascend to the throne or become a ruler over the people um, without them having elected him, he automatically becomes an enemy of the state mm -hmm. and he's called a dictator mm -hmm. um, or he's called a tyrant. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's true. It's like off limits in the world. You, you cannot uh, be seen as a legitimate ruler unless you are democratically elected. Okay, good. So the system of governance we have in the Bible, it's stating it's off limits only God is the one who can choose that system of governance. Yeah. In democracy, it is the people through uh, elections, through their representatives, um, their senators that they chose, their representatives that they chose, that make up the laws of the land. Mm -hmm. uh, is this an acceptable concept in the Bible? No. Absolutely not. Why is it? I, at least we saw very clearly that it is it is always up to God. He is the one who appoints. He is the one who who comes down uh, with the Holy Spirit upon the prophets and the messengers, and His will is done through them. He, the communication with God is through them. And the prime example of the fact that only God is the one who establishes the law is when God tells Moses to meet him. And when he meets him, he brings down upon him God's commandments. Mm. So in the, in the Bible, God's law is called his command. Yeah. And there's no breaking it. No. There's no negotiation on it. The Israelites, anybody who dared to try to change one letter of the law would be ousted, mm -hmm. would be cursed, uh, would be sentenced to death. Because God accepts in the Torah and the Bible, nobody interfering with his law. Only God is the one who chooses the law. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I think that I think that in 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 that case, then we're beginning to see how the very system of governance of the United States is completely and totally opposed to the divine system of governance and rule. Yes. 
Do we have any examples of democracy being condemned in the Bible or, or God showing us that democracy cannot be accepted and that it's very bad for us? I'm thinking. There's a, there's a very big example. Okay. And it's almost as if, as if this was a big part of the warning of Jesus Christ to humanity. It was a big part of his message. So in the story of Jesus, the Messiah, there's this incident that occurs. A great um, election takes place. Basically, Jesus is arrested, okay, and he's beaten, he's tortured, and he's taken yes. by the Romans in front of all of the Jews. The Jew, the Jewish population are all, all there, yeah. okay? And Pontius Pilate does not want to condemn Jesus. Yes, and so he puts the matter at the hands of the people, yeah. and he says, let's have a vote on it. Let's have an election. Yes, I... As soon as you started to speak about it, I knew exactly what you were going to say. And the people... Uh, what did they do? They brought forth a criminal. Barabbas. And the criminal yeah. was called who? Barabbas. Baraba. Yeah. Baraba is brought in front of the people. Oddly enough, he has one eye. He's depicted oh as having gosh. one eye in the, in the, the cell, the blind in the, in the right eye, actually. And the people are given the ability to choose between the Messiah and the anti-Messiah, the one-eyed uh, uh, nominee, oh uh, Baraba. And all of the people, the Jewish people, they look at Jesus, the Messiah, who was appointed by God, and they look at the nominee who was brought forward by Pontius Pilate, mm -hmm. and they choose Baraba. Yeah, I know. And they let him go forward yeah. and they let him go free. And yeah. so here's an election that takes place at the hands of the Romans. Yes. Okay? Yes. The modern day Rome is America. Yeah. And they put forward Jesus and they put forward a nominee and the people choose the nominee and they choose him who was a convicted murderer and he was a criminal. And so the story of the election of Baraba in the Bible was Jesus Christ's way, it was God's way of telling people that any time you choose, you will choose a criminal, you will choose murderers, you will choose people who are unworthy, you will choose antichrists. Oh my gosh. I never, it never occurred to me to think of this story in that way, but you're, it is absolutely the truth that this is what happens when the matter is put in the hands of the people and this is one example i mean such a clear example of what happens when the matter is left to the people they rejected and condemned the messiah god's chosen king and they freed the anti-messiah that's it's clear that gives day. me shivers and so uh, today we have America who's claiming to represent Christianity, claiming to spread Christianity, 
but they're actually spreading a system that is against the laws of God, against the system of governance of God, and they are spreading effectively uh, the Antichrist system of governance, where the power is taken away from God and given to the people. Uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters, they might say, okay, well, this is a story from the New Testament. Do we have any examples of democracy being condemned uh, as clearly as this in the Old Testament? And I think that we do in the story where uh, Moses had come down with the Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. and then uh, he goes away for a while, yeah. and the people, once again, they're left uh, for an election, and they basically choose to build a golden calf and to worship it in the absence of, of Moses. And so this is an example, once again, of them choosing a false idol, a false god, uh, to worship. Any choices that the people make collectively ends up being a wrong one. And that confirms the, the verse in the Quran which states, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, and if you were to follow most of the people in the earth, they would lead you astray, right? So the majority's choice is always the wrong choice. The only choice that is the, the correct choice is God's choice. Wow. I mean, it's actually so extremely clear when you point out these examples, they were preserved as warnings. But are we taking them as warnings? Uh, I mean, I, I hope that we will. I hope that people will actually go back to the scriptures and, and see that the matter is very clear. It is. So um, now if we talk about the second coming of Jesus, uh, if he was to come back to the earth, is it? Is it possible? Does he stand a chance to rule? I mean, I think that this is a part where many people haven't really thought it through, you know? Uh, you pointed out in the previous episode that it's actually set up, you know, the whole system, the, the Constitution of the United States, and it's set up in a way that if Jesus were to descend on the clouds and it's very clear and everybody knows that it's Jesus, it's not like he's going to just be handed the presidency. He's not no. going to become the president of the United States just based on that fact. He has to be democratically elected. He has to be born. And born in the United States, yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't think that many American Christians have actually thought about this very big contradiction in their beliefs because they believe in democracy, right? It's, it's uh, extremely important to, to many American Christians. And so is their faith in Jesus, but they're actually completely opposed to one another. They cannot coexist. No, they can't. For that reason, uh, you know, the the American government is the great deceiver because it makes people think that they the the system and the government itself is allied with the choice of God, when in reality it is inherently opposed to God. Yeah. Uh, the system itself is the opposite of of Jesus and his message and, and God's law, and it never allows for a divinely appointed caliph, a divinely appointed king or messiah to ascend to the throne. Um, if they were, in fact, a Christian nation, 
then the Constitution itself yeah. should have had a clause in there or an article in there or an amendment in there that said that basically whenever Jesus comes, then he can be handed the throne. Yeah. But that's not there. No, it's not there. And I think it's clear that the intention was never that uh, behind the founding of the United States. Because the people who founded, uh, they didn't really believe that Jesus would come back. Because if they did believe that Jesus would come back, then they would have adjusted the law in such a way that it made room for God's choice. Yeah. But that's the problem with democracy, is that it never has room for God's choice. Mm -hmm. the, the, the only room that it has is for the majority's choice yeah. out of the people. Yeah, and we've seen where that leads astray. So we have in the Bible, uh, the Romans teaching the Jews how it is that they can choose and elect a person. Mm -hmm. We have today America teaching Israel democracy. Yeah. Uh, rulership in Israel today is democracy. The yeah. only people that can come to power, they come to power through elections. Yeah, and that's completely opposed to the history, to the scriptures of, of how God governed Israel before. Yeah, so like the current state of Israel is kind of like a fake state of Israel. Mm -hmm. It's not really it's not really an authentic state of Israel. Yeah. That's why we call it the so-called state of Israel. Yeah. Because every ruler that they had was chosen by the people. Yeah. Did they have any prime ministers or presidents in Israel today since its founding that were anointed by God? No. Or elected by God? No. Or nominated by God? There's none of them. Netanyahu wasn't a prophet messenger. No. He wasn't a, a divinely appointed no. king. No, he was absolutely not uh, appointed by God. So he was only appointed by the people. Yes. In the same way that Barama, Baraba was. Yes, exactly. So then if the Messiah was to appear in Judea, uh, how would he come to power in modern-day Israel? Is there anything in the Israeli constitution or, or, or laws that allow for God's choice to ascend to the seat? Um, not that I'm aware of. Uh, you would certainly imagine that Israel of all nations would have such a clause because it is a, a country that is meant to be united by their faith, right? It is a, a state for the, the Jewish people. Uh, who are awaiting their Messiah. So you would imagine that it would actually be built into their constitution, but as far as I'm aware, it's not. Well, then if it's not, is it a Jewish state? Yeah. Or is it just a Roman state or an extension of Rome? Yeah. Is Israel really a Jewish state or is it merely the 51st state of America. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that it's clear that, that it is not taking into account God's law and God's rulership. And as you said, it's, it's basically adopted all of the principles and the standards of rulership from America, the democracy and the 
the people choosing, the majority of the people selecting the leaders. So, yeah, I, I think that although I've never thought of it in that way, I'm, I'm, I'm forced to admit that it, it would be the 51st state of the United States of America. So if Jesus was to come back or the Messiah was to come and he's not able to become president of the United States mm -hmm. and he's not able to become the president or prime minister of Israel, yeah. then, then wouldn't that naturally make him the, the enemy of the United States and the enemy of Israel? Yes, it would. Because he'd be coming with the intention to rule. To rule, and he would be... And he'd be coming with, would he be coming with the same laws that the people chose, or would he be coming with a different set of laws? He would be coming with God's commands. God's commands. And how would he be met then? What, what is he supposed to do? When Jesus comes, is he supposed to uh, propose God's commandments and kind of uh, uh, lobby support or or create like some sort of campaign and try to get the representatives or the senators of the United States to bring it to the, the House or the Senate so people could vote on? Or how is it that he's supposed to, uh, to do what he, what he came to do? I mean, I've never heard of God negotiating with the will of the people. As far as I understand, it's God who, who makes the commands. So no, uh, and, and I can imagine that that would be extremely unpopular with, uh, with the people who are championing democracy. Uh, it, it's completely opposed to, to what they hold dear, which is the people choosing everything. Yeah, I, I think he would end up being quite an enemy of the state type figure. And then we're talking about Jesus. If Jesus himself were to come back, the same person that many people who love democracy claim to believe is, is God himself in creation, they wouldn't accept him coming and, and being So then the what would happen if Jesus did come back and he was preaching in America and a lot of the true believers in Jesus, a lot of the true Christians that live in America, that really believe in the Bible, if they started rallying behind Jesus and believing in him, what would, what would they be in the eyes of the United States? What would the CIA or the FBI consider them to be? Terrorists. Why? Because I, I'm, as far as I understand, people who oppose the ideals of democracy are put because into that anybody, category. Anybody who would rally then behind Jesus, behind a man who would appear calling towards the supremacy of God and calling towards the laws, the absolute obedience only to the laws of God and not to the laws of man would be considered to be um, an enemy of the state, mm -hmm. anti-democratic, mm -hmm. and they would be what, arrested or, I or mean, persecuted it, or? It, I'm just, I'm thinking about how exactly the same way that Jesus was seen by the Roman authorities in his time. It, it's the same thing. They, they would do what they could to arrest him, right? Because they don't want this, this uh, power rising up, which is what they saw happening with Jesus, that people were following him, that he was becoming a threat to their authority. 
uh, it's not something that they so would So it would accept. be a false statement to say that the United States is built in such a way that it seeks to crucify Jesus Christ again? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's clear. Yeah. It's a true statement. I hope that people accept the, the clarity that you've presented because I think that you're the only person who's actually calling towards the scriptures and actually learning from the stories of the past and taking an objective look at the situation that we have in the world today and seeing it for what it is. I think that that's extremely rare. You know, I don't know of anyone else on the planet Earth who's actually doing that. I think people are kind of, uh, they're under the illusion that the United States is actually um, a Christian nation, that they would happily accept Jesus as their leader were he to come back. But I think it's extremely clear and obvious that that's not the case. And actually, the ideals of democracy are actually completely opposed to God's rulership. And, and I think the matter is really clear. So I hope that people will actually, you know, take a deep look at what you've presented themselves and, and really think about it, because it's, it's a really heavy situation, actually. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, until next time. Okay, can't wait. Wow. Uh, this episode uh, taught us an extremely important lesson. I mean, I, I never thought about it in these terms before, but it, it's clear that it was democracy that killed Jesus. And democracy, the, the rulership of the people, uh, has the power to, to go against the person that God chooses, to go against uh, Jesus himself, the Messiah. And, uh, and it's democracy that empowers the likes of Barabbas, uh, the anti-Messiah. So if we really, really want Jesus, uh, how can we expect that he's going to come back and be embraced by the democratic system? It, it's an impossibility. If we really want Jesus, we have to look for the one who is calling to God and God alone. Thank you so much for joining us on, on this journey, and uh, I can't wait to continue and learn more next time. <laughs>